big day today. Nine years sober and exactly one year to the day since I was kicked out of my house. So let's get into it. Oh guys, I just need to jump in and tell you something. Facebook have now demonetized me on top of YouTube holding $30,000 that they won't give me even though they made that money off my videos. They're keeping it and they won't give it to me. So now more than ever, I need your help to keep going, just to keep effing going. I don't, it's effing crazy. It's crazy. Ugh. Little bit of crisis going on at uh, Stephen Hilton Towers. So if you can, you can contribute at stephenhilton.net. Now more than ever, it would really help out. Um, if you want to support me for free, and it's really important because on top of that, I'm rebuilding, you know, YouTube took my, nuked my channel. So I'm rebuilding everything again. Oh, it's so depressing. But I know we can do it. We're fine. The good fight. And they cannot hold us down. They can't hold us down. There's too many of us. And we are coming together to fight this insanity. So follow this channel. Wherever you're watching this, follow it. Uh, if you've got any ideas for suggestions for videos or you just want to talk to me, uh, the Instagram's the best way all the time, DMs. If you want to make sure I see your message, just subscribe to the Instagram because then your messages go right to the top and I see them and I respond to you. Um, and ideas for videos are always greatly received. Um, you've given me some great ideas, so keep that coming. Child Lives Matter t-shirts, racerbacks, hoodies, back in stock. So if you've ever been on the fence about getting a Child Lives Matter or a Bats for Maps, if you've ever been on the fence, get off that fence. Now is the time to get off the fence and go and get it. Now's the time to get off the fence and go get it. <laughs> it's crazy, you guys. It, my life's a fucking roller coaster. I didn't expect to. I didn't expect YouTube to to basically steal that money, and I didn't expect Facebook to demonetize me because of some conservative posts I made. Conservatives have a hard time with big tech, guys. So it's really important that you guys stick with us, all of us conservative creators, we really need you because big tech are fighting us every day on every front and they're taking away our monetization. They're trying to shut us up. That is what they're trying to do. They're trying to shut us up. But I know you're not going to let that happen. So sign up to the mailing list, get some merch, make a subscription, make, sub um, make a contribution. See, I'm all flustered. Patreon. I've got a Patreon. Patreon. This is too much information. Forget all that. Mainly, just enjoy this stuff and please follow and please subscribe. Help me rebuild. Help me rebuild. I love you guys. Let's get on with the video. Hey guys. Uh, yeah, what a effing anniversary today. Nine years sober. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it, especially after the year I've had because this day last year, August 15th, you'll be watching this on the 16th, I was kicked out and uh, separated and that was the first day of all that happening. So it's been a, a roller coaster, but through it all, I stayed sober, which I'm so grateful for because there's nothing in this world that a drink mo won't make worse. There's nothing that can happen that a drink won't make 10 times worse or a drug. I was a heroin, cocaine, all, we call it a garbage bag drug addict, everything, I'm addicted to everything, except marijuana, didn't like marijuana, and a horrendous alcoholic. Um, 
for years and years and years and years. And I tried everything to stop. Everything. I I even went to the point of getting a medical procedure done where they put an implant in the in in your butt and uh not in your not in your butt like in the skin there and uh they put this implant in to stop heroin and alcohol working and uh, i went i heard about my ex-wife was polish and that they do it with the street drunks in in poland uh, to to stop them dying and it was like a last ditch effort like i i got a trip it was the last i like at least if i do this i'll have a six months off so they did the procedure, hurt like hell. They didn't use much anaesthetic. I think that's part of it. The psychological kind of... Whoops. The psychological like pain of it. My mic's slipping. I think that's... Yeah. And then the doctor, after he'd put this implant into my... The small of my back, he sat me down and he said, if you drink... For six months, within that six months period, if you drink, you're going to die. And I remember thinking, wow, amazing. I like breathed out, sigh of relief. (sighs) Six months off. That night I was drinking. That's how bad an alcoholic I am. I was found. I went back to that same doctor. I said, you haven't put enough of that stuff in. Put more in. He said, put it in. And he said, in God's name, if you're going to drink, you come back to me first and I'll take it out because this is very dangerous. That night I was drinking. I was found in the middle of uh, the suburbs of Warsaw. I'd been horrendously beaten up. I had broken ribs, my uh, black eyes. I couldn't stand and I just have flashbacks. I don't, to this day, I don't remember what happened that night and I don't want to remember because, not for the squeamish, but. The implant was gone. So it looks like I dagged my fingers in and pulled it off. I mean, it's under the skin. I am squeamish. Like the fact that I did that, I still don't know what happened. Perhaps I didn't. Perhaps someone else did it. Some crazy shit happened that night. Yeah, I was robbed and incredibly badly beaten. And this thing had gone and I was covered in blood where I'd all, you know, it was, it was nuts. Um... I have flashbacks of the ambulance picking me up and me trying to physically fight the uh, the guys that were trying to save my life, uh, trying to physically fight them. They took me to um, a hospital that was a psych ward. Uh, they strapped me down to the bed. I couldn't speak Polish. I was unable to communicate for two or three days. They were. I was getting injections of sedatives like strapped down. It was literally like one floor of the cuckoo's nest. That was my rock bottom. Uh, my mum and dad said, we've paid for you to go to rehab when I finally got a hold of them after three days. Um, and they don't have much money, so like I was guilted into going to rehab. Um, off I went. Um, and I just remember thinking, how long do I, do I have to not drink before the people will get off my case and let me drink again. That was the crazy thought that was going. Th- 
that was the crazy thought that was going through my head. Like, that's a mind of an addict. How long before I can drink again? Someone said to me recently, if you put a glass of whiskey in front of a drug addict, in, in front of an alcoholic, and put a gun to their head and say, if you drink that whiskey, I'm going to shoot you in the head, an alcoholic will think, I wonder if I can drink that and get a buzz before the bullet goes into my brain. That's literally how we think. We're wired differently. Addicts and alcoholics are wired differently. And unless you are one, you can't really understand the craziness of addiction. It's brutal. It takes no prisoners. It ruins your life. It jumps to the top of the pyramid of needs. It jumps in front of family. It jumps in front of everything. My life was ruined. My life was, in that last year, was all about getting high and drunk. I wasn't doing it socially. I never drank and used socially. I drank and used for oblivion right from the beginning because I was trying to kill some pain inside. I had a hole in my soul and I felt like everyone else knew how to live. And I never got the rule book. And I had this giant hole and nothing would fill it. And then when I found drugs and alcohol, it filled it. And I never wanted to socialise. When I found it, I wanted to isolate and take as much as I could and fill that hole on my own in a dark, small room. And I was successful. I'd, I'd, I was in the music business. I'd made enough money to buy my own house when I was like 20, 24. Um, and I lived in a tiny corner of a tiny room of that house doing drugs and drinking. And I would wake up, swig vodka, puke, pass out, do heroin, do cocaine, pass out. That was my life. For the last year of my life, That was before this happened, that was my life, every day. It was small, pathetic, dark, black and white, depressing, boring, stupid. It was a horrible life, but I thought that that was the best thing I could get. So when I came out of rehab, I, was, I went to go and get drugs because I'm a drug addict and that's what I do, the day they dropped me off. But... I remember the whole of rehab was a blur that first time but I remember on the way to get drugs there was a literal fork in the road if you're from London if you know Hampstead uh, West Hampstead there's the road that goes to Finchley and there's the road that goes to Primrose Hill and I read my dealer was in Finchley Primrose Hill was where the meeting was apparently so I looked found a meeting I knew there was a they told me about this meeting uh, in the church, I'd never been to a meeting before, um, but they didn't take us to meetings in rehab because I was only in there for a short time and I had to be medically detoxed. So I wasn't allowed to go on the bus to meetings. But something, for some reason I'd looked up that meeting, even though I knew I was going to go and get drugs. That's what I was going to do, obviously. Obviously that's what I was going to do. But something, I had a little chink of willingness that just went why don't you go to that meeting and I thought about my life previous the depressing horrible sad pathetic boring stupid life the hamster wheel of just getting out of it and my life was only about getting out of it I didn't care about anyone or anything I thought I was a sociopath I literally thought I'm a sociopath I'm one of those people that has no emotions doesn't feel empathy because the drugs are taking it all away so I thought about that life and then I thought, thank God I had willingness to, I thought I'm going to go to that meeting. I'm going to get the drugs, but I'm going to go to the meeting first. I sat next to a guy. He had this incredible light on in his eyes. And I looked at him and I was like, what is that light? And I looked around and everyone in this room had that, this light. 
And I only hanged around with drug addicts and alcoholics. I'd never seen this light before. And I was like, wow, I, I want that. So I said to him, can you help me? I'm just going to go and get drugs. I've been sober three weeks, forced sober. So I'm going to go and get drugs. But will he help me after? And he said, you know, I haven't had a drink for 10 years. And I was a street alcoholic. And I was like, wow, 10 years, not, not anything. He said, nothing. And he said to me, you know, you never have to drink or use again a day in your whole life. And you could have a life beyond your wildest dreams. I never forgot that. Turns out he was right. But I'll fast forward to that later. And I said, can you help me? And he said, yeah. I want you to come to my house every Wednesday and we're going to go through this thing called the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And in that book, there's a thing called the 12 Steps. Um, so I went to, went to see him every day, every week, every Wednesday, and we went through these steps. I'm going to tell you what the 12 Steps are now because it's shrouded in secrecy and I don't think it should be, so I'm just going to tell you what they are. Step one, two, and three are basically, is my life completely ruined by drugs and alcohol? Have I tried everything to get sober on my own and nothing's worked? And am I prepared to do it differently? That's one, two, and three. Yes, yes, yes for me. Easy. I've ruined my life. Easy. I'd had two long-term girlfriends and a wife run out, walk out. You know, you're, you're, you're an asshole. You're, you're horrible. We leave it. I'd... I'd Burnt through all my money. I, I was broken. So one, two, three were easy. Four was made a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. So that means I had to make a list of everyone, every person, place and thing that had caused me upset in my life. All of it. I had to write it all down. It took a while. And step five is telling that list to someone. Mostly the sponsor, my sponsor, I told it to. That's a good, uh, good person to tell it to. And he made me see my part in all of these resentments. And it was hard. Some things you don't think you have a part in. You're like, well, I was bullied. Some bullies pushed me in a river. I, I didn't have any part in that. But he forced me to look. What happened before that? Did you fight back? Why didn't you fight back? Were you people pleasing? And every single one of these I had some part in. And after we went through the list, it was the same things that were coming up. And I've been through the steps four times. This is the first time I've done it. But you just keep going round and round. You never stop. You just get to 12 and go back again. Um, six and seven are asking for those character defects, the things that you keep seeing that caused you all your problems in your life to be taken away. Eight is making a list of everyone you'd harmed in your life through alcoholic Behaviour, drug addict behaviour, but also the thinking. The codependency, controlling. Nine is making amends to those people. So I had to go and meet people that I'd harmed. And the funny thing was that the ones that I thought were going to be easy, like my parents, were really hard and I broke down. And the ones that I thought were going to be hard, like my flatmate who lived with me, that whose life I completely made a misery was easy. He was like, don't worry about it, it was fun. <laughs> so that's step nine. 
Step 10 is continuing to every day do that resentment list and look at where you've, what you've done wrong and right in your life. Step 11 is the one step I've done consistently for 20 years. Step 11 is praying and meditating every day. Praying is asking a question, med meditating is getting the answer, listening for the answer. Step 12 is passing this message on, like I guess I'm doing now, or going to meetings. I should say, this sobriety is 20, almost 20 years ago. 2004, I got sober for the first time. And it, my life completely changed. I got, I got self-esteem. I started doing things that made me feel worthy. My life became big and exciting and I moved to America. And I had nine years of sobriety. I used to say I had 10 years of sobriety, but I realized recently my 10th year was spent high as a kite. I took my 10 year chip high. So I had nine years and this is nine years again. And what happened when I moved to America, I stopped taking it seriously. I stopped going to meetings. I'd met Laura. I made her, made the relationship my higher power. I was using meetings for a social club. I wasn't, look at my typing, look how smart I am. Uh, I was using meetings to meet people. I wasn't taking it seriously. And I started lying and manipulating again. That was the first thing that happened. This lying and manipulating came back. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I feel like I haven't done that for a while because the steps stop you doing that. An active alcoholic is an asshole, 100% of the time. We're horrible people. We're manipulative. We lie like crazy. We lie about everything. We lie. If you know an addict, you know that they're lying most of the time. The 12 steps stop you doing that. And when it came back, I was like, oh. And the reason it came back is because I lost contact with my sponsor, the guy that took me through the steps. I wasn't going to meetings and I wasn't reading the book and I wasn't doing the work. So I got in a little car accident, nothing, nothing major. And a little voice said, get drugs, get doctor drugs. You're still sober if you get doctor drugs. And off I went to the doctor and I knew it was, I knew this was going to end in tears. I knew it. When I walked into the office, I was like, oh shit. I'm about to lose my sobriety, but I didn't care at this point. The point up to this, they call it prelapse. I was in prelapse for two weeks where I was planning this. falling sorry about that um so yeah prelapse for two weeks and then i got the doctor drugs and i uh, i didn't take them but as prescribed for even one day i was doctor shopping and getting as many of these as i could straight away pretty much um yeah, i was on oxycontin uh vicodin ambien xanax massive amounts massive amounts i spent a year probably high I had an affair I ruined my life with Laura I was with Laura at the time um, and I blew up my life again really quick and I was back to zero again I'd lost everything I couldn't leave the house I was in that small dark corner again I was like what the fuck why am I in this small dark corner again what happened addiction was doing press-ups in the corner for those whole nine years and it was getting bigger and when I went back to it it took me out took me down and one day I heard a voice from God that said, stop, stop. And I threw the drugs away. I didn't realize that um, 
you can die if you stop taking Xanax straight away. I should have stopped in a different way. I just thought I was just going to throw them away. And I had a seizure. Laura took me to the hospital. I died for a couple of minutes on the hospital bed from a seizure. They had to revive me with those things. And Laura was there. She took me through all that. She took me to rehab for the second time. And I'd blown my life up. And I sat in that rehab and I was like, fuck. I had no identity. I'd lost my... I hadn't delivered any music. I was composing with Hans Zimmer out here. And I hadn't delivered any music for six months because I was so high. So I felt like I wasn't a composer anymore. I didn't have my relationship. I was an alien in America. I didn't have my home. I had no family around me. And I, was the, I didn't get any visitors, you know? Uh, everyone was getting visitors to me and I didn't get anyone. And um, I was just sad, pathetic man. I was 40 and I was like, 40 is over. You're never going to get recovery again. You're never going to get this again. You're never going to get your career back again. But when I left, I thought, I, I know what works. Getting a sponsor works. That's the thing. So, again, I went to a meeting, went up to a guy, said, I'm desperate. Will you help me? And he said, yeah, Bob. Um, he took me through the steps really quickly again, the whole thing, because my life depended on it, because I was probably going to do myself in um, with drugs. And... Uh, I got the relationship back, Laura came back. I got a different career, which was way more exciting and way better than my other one, and I loved it, which is what you know me for, online creating. That came out of the sky, that was a gift from God. That came when I got, had a couple of years sober. And uh, that was nine years ago. Um, and everything was going great until the pandemic, and I stopped again going to meetings. Um, I should have known it was going to end in tears, but, you know, addicts don't really learn. And uh, I hit an emotional rock bottom this time last year. I didn't use or take drugs, contrary to what many of you think. I didn't relapse. I'm not using now. I'm completely clean. But because I wasn't connected to the program, I just wanted to kill myself. Because life, for an addict, life's too difficult without something to replace using. Because that's our solution, is using drugs and drinking. If you take that away from us, we might as well kill ourselves. Life's too difficult. And 12 Steps fills that gap. So I paid the price. And I, tried, I ordered a bunch of drugs. I didn't take them. And uh, I told Laura what I was going to do. And thankfully, she called the police. They detained me. And while they were deciding to put me on a psychiatric hold or not, I decided not to do it. Um, and I came up here and I made a video called I'm Struggling, which YouTube took my channel down recently. So, but I managed to find that video. I'm going to leave it up, not for very long though, because I don't want that video. I don't want my kids necessarily to see that video, but I think it's important for addicts to see it. So I'll leave it up for another year or so, I guess, or six months. If you want to see a man broken, go and watch I'm Struggling uh, on my YouTube I'll link it down here, down there. Um, yeah, so Laura had enough. There were other things as well. No, no infidelity, but there were other things that I haven't talked about. Um, 
And yeah, this time last year was my first night separated. And that's nuts to think about. And as you know, a lot has changed in a year. A lot has changed in a year. But I feel like I'm on a good path. I feel powerful. I feel masculine. I feel like I'm doing God's work. I do. I do. I'm fighting the good fight. I'm fighting the good fight every day to try and bring some sanity to this craziness that's going on. And I believe that if, if you start telling lies, it's evil. And we're being asked to tell lies about what our own eyes tell us. This is a man or a woman and we're being told that we have to lie. Otherwise, in some cases, we can go to prison. And that's evil. And that's why I talk about this every day. Um, the whole agenda... That's a, this is another video, but you guys know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm on the right path. I've never felt better spiritually. My life's still shit externally, but that's my story. Nine years. If I can do it, you can do it. If you're struggling with addiction, go to an AA meeting go, or an NA meeting or an SL. There's loads of 12-step fellowships for every addiction. Go to one for me. Will you do that for me if you struggle? I love you guys so much. Uh, let's come back tomorrow and back to the usual programming. Love you.